0: As you've heard this morning from, uh, from Pastor Justin, we are continuing on our series um, Rules to Live By based on the 10th commandment. And uh, we've been through the five, six already. And this morning, we come to the 7th commandment. And in case you don't know, it is you should not commit adultery. Any excitement? No clapping? <laughs> only, only Pastor clap, claps. So. You know, Pastor Stan was not meant to be here today, and he's here. And he spoke so, so, so good that he, uh, he was so kind that he delegated this command to me to preach on this morning. <laughs> and he was even nice to me that he gave me his sermon outline. So that everything I say today, if you don't like it, I'm just following his outline this morning. So I'm pretty safe in this why I'm even more excited. Thank you, Pastor Stan. I'm, I'm glad you got the joke. That is a joke. So it just happened to be that uh, it's a privilege to be able to speak on this. Uh, again, if you, haven't been, if you have been following, haven't been following a sermon series, go and check out our website, our, our, our YouTube channels our socials and our apps and go through and as we come to today, Last week, Pastor Stan, Pastor Justin uh, preached on the living a life of balance when it comes to keeping the Sabbath holy and how to, to do it, uh, the Sabbath rest daily. is a routine, it's a lifestyle. So this morning, I'm going to speak on what it means to live a life of control that, in some way, kind of set us free from impurity and living a life that is free from infertility. Let me ask you this morning, do we have any control freak in the house? No? Well, I can just imagine if I have a a control freak scanner with me and I started from this (laughs) end and going, i can just wondering how many times the peeps I get to, to come through here. What about we do it this way? If you're a couple, and even if you're watching online, if you're a couple, turn to each other and ask, who is the control freak? Okay, take a moment just to look look at each other. Come on, no one else look at you. Just ask, who is the, the control freak in the house? You can do it at home as well, and you're safe. You can fight. It. We don't look and see what's what's going on, but just check who is the control freak. Anne and I, we were at the Costco yesterday, and we finished our shopping, and we just came um, out of Costco. And if you've been there, you know they have such a massive, big lift to go out, take you up and go down, and get fit about six or seven trolleys in there with people. And we got in, and we got close to the front, and we waited for a little while, because there was a couple, that were standing right at the door, arguing whether they should come in or should go out. And, and they had about in the same, same age as me, 70. And the man was standing more towards our outside and said, the husband said, we, we should wait, there's no room. And the wife said, no, we can just squeeze in there, we can make it. And then the husband went, we, we should wait. Now, we can go again, it's only take two minutes." And she said, that's too long. Now, put your hand up, raise your hand, if you think that the couple ended up waiting, as the husband suggested. (laughs) Raise your hand, if the couple ended up in the list, as the wife Every hand goes up. (laughs) No, I don't have to. (laughs) Sorry, ladies. You got the answer. But do you want to know the truth? The truth is this, that everybody is a control freak. God has created each and every one of us, wired us to control. And when I say about that, we all, when Anne and I are both control freak, when Anne in a, in, a, in the kitchen, she would cook her food, so she would have a control on how much she put on the plate for me. When I had my turn to cook, I take full control what I cook and how much I put on the plate. And this is why we agree to deal and share the power and control. Okay. They see agree to look after the cleaning of the house, where the furniture goes. And and leave the kitchen to me. I take full control of the kitchen. What food do we eat? How I I cook it? And how much I put on the plate. And we agree with that. I don't do the cleaning. Remember, that's part of Anne's powerhouse. And Janelle, I look after the fridge as well. (laughs) Can you see how it works? In some ways, we all have a power to control and we as human we like to live life the way we want it to be where you can exercise control what you eat what you drink where you go and what you do with life and that is part of who we are as human being and when we are to live the way, when we are told how to live in our life, there is something within us that says, hmm, I'm just not sure. Whether it's a parent telling a children what to do, whether it's a teacher telling a student, the boss telling the workers, there's something within us that we control how we respond. Even the government set a rules for everyone to follow. What happened when we're told that we ought to wear a mask, to restrict the boundary and distance travel, you know, to take to get vaccinated? I tell you three ways we respond. The first group and say, I'm not going to do it simply because it it violates my human rights and this and that. The next group and say, I'll do it so that I can go and visit my family, so I can go to work and dine out with the loved ones. And the third group say, I think this is a good thing, we need to obey the rules. It's the right thing to do. In fact, it protects me and it protects my family. Can you see how we exercise the power to control in various different ways? As we come to to the seventh commandment today, we come to another one, another one of those rules that God has set for us. Do not commit adultery. What is adultery? Well, the dictionary defines adultery as a voluntary. Before I go on, I just want to warn you. If you have children, some of the the things that I might say might not be appropriate. And it's like those sermons where you just read it with an M. Mature only caused language. But I'll do my very best. But just warn you in advance and if you're watching from home as well. And also, if there is anything that doesn't sit well with you, kind of addressed you, and it's something that is harsh and hard hard knock. And you know, just like how Justin said last week, he wasn't qualified enough to talk about Sabbath rest. I too am not as confident and comfortable to speak on this topic here. At the end of the day, this is what's important. Commandment. Is of God. Yeah, you agree with me? Obeying it is expected in and on us. Living it is ours to fulfill and control. And that is so important. Adultery, what is it? According to the dictionary, defined it as a voluntary physical affairs between a married person and someone other than their lawful husband or wife. Don't need to go any further. It explains itself. Well maybe, well, maybe some of you young, young people are saying, if that is associated with an affair that happened in a marriage relationship, that this doesn't have anything to do with me. Why should I have to be worried? There may be some of you who have gone past being married and, and you're you married and no longer is an issue to you. And you kind of think to yourself, maybe that has, this has nothing to do with my life. I don't need to worry about it. I shouldn't be here. But maybe there's some of you who are newly married and are saying, well, we don't really know what that looks like. And you know what? We're committed to each other. We're so faithful. We read the Bible together. There's no way this is not going to ever happen to us. That's great. That's the idea. You know what? The Pharisee, the, uh, the, 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 the law keeper, the expert, the Holy One, the most committed on the day, on the day when Jesus was preaching, also said the same thing. We know all of that. And then we come. And Jesus was standing right in front of those people and said, You have heard that it was said do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman who lusts after her already committed adultery with her in his heart. Let me paraphrase what Jesus was saying. I know you guys remember this, and I know you know that so well, You know the law and the rules to live by? But I'm not sure whether you fully understand what that simple verse is saying. In fact, you don't fully understand what adultery actually is. To think that adultery is just restricted to an unfaithful within marriage, a physical marital affair happening outside of marriage, you better think again. Because adultery is not just an event of unfaithfulness within marriage. Adultery is a heart failure problem, and no one is exempted. You have heard it was said to not commit adultery. Let me put this verse into into perspective before we, we dive in a little deeper. Firstly, Jesus, Jesus was echoing the seventh commandment. And he said, I want to just affirm you that you got it right. You got that. And just about the, 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 the guys were just about to pet each other. We got this. He said, but. That but here, you know, you know Jesus didn't say, started to address them that the, the seventh commandment in the Old Testament was wrong or incomplete, He didn't say that, but he went on to say, anyone. Now you can see, imagine these people standing around and start thinking, anyone? Anyone? And that's include the Pharisee, the Lord Keeper, the most faithful one. Anyone who look. Now, Jesus used this idea to to explain the, the space and proximity the look, the hidden things from the actual thing that happen in person. And he used the look to distance because everyone else thinks about that. And Jesus said, hey, I just want to use the look because you understand what it means to look. Look at the woman. Now, perhaps, you know, you understand in that culture, uh, the man-dominant culture, he was just using the man, and maybe they remember the story of various people like David and others. The reality is, anyone with a man or woman, a man looking at a woman or a woman looking at a man, lustfully, that word, it's an inappropriate desire of the heart when you think and when you see. Has already... You know, it's already happening here. This is where the heart starts to break. It's already committed and it's in the heart. Think about that for a moment. Jesus made it clear that adultery is really the fruit of which lust is the root. It all starts from there. And again, just imagine the crowd standing still with mixed feelings, thinking to, them, to themselves, "Hang on, Jesus, you mean that we can't be committed to adultery just by looking? Does that mean we can't look a man, a man or a woman at all? And if our right eye caused to cause that to us, we go to the hospital and couch it out and cut the hands off and do something silly? And Jesus, does that mean that we too, the Lord keeper and the faithful one that keep the Lord and pray seven times a day, can be found guilty of these two? We don't understand Jesus. On the news this week, one of the headline story was about the PE teacher found guilty of an inappropriate relationship with a seventeen years old high school girl. And if you follow through the story and you know the full story detail, this was not something that just happened overnight. It happened in a progressive steps over time. Now we're going to turn to a very familiar story because we need to get deep down and understand why Jesus said what he said in response. And we're going to go, um, I want to illustrate the point that Jesus wants to point out that this was not something that just happened. The Jesus wanted to, do, to talk about the scope and the depth and the height of what adultery is. So I'm going to refer to the story that you're all familiar with, that is safe for me to use an illustration that we know quite well. It's the story of David and Bathsheba, And that will be our case study, because this is really important. We miss this story, we miss everything else. And I will use in this case study what is called the Davidic Davidic five steps traps, step traps, if you like. And I'm just going to go through very quickly on this. And the very first one that we come come to is David was where he was supposed was wasn't where he was supposed to be, being in the wrong place. The story begins with this very matter, it says, In the spring, at the time when kings go of war, David sent Jacob out with the king's men, and the whole Israelite were away. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. In that time, kings will go in the war. It's just no option. It's part of the deal. But where was David here? He was back in Jerusalem. When speaking of David, Matthew Henry, said this, if he had been at the front, he wouldn't have been on the wall. When we are out the way of duty, we're in the way of temptation. For David, an accident is waiting to happen. How true this is today. Much of our struggle with lust comes because we are not where we're supposed to be instead. We're in the wrong place. The second thing is, Looking at the wrong things, he looked at something he shouldn't have seen. We read in verse two. One evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful according to Hebrew Hebrew text. You can imagine the scene. He sees a beautiful woman. He stop, he see, he stopped. And perhaps it's something running through his mind, you have no right to look. Now right at that point, when, you ex- when are you exercising your power to control? Just like Janelle looking at that beautiful chocolate in the fridge, something started to happen. Mmm. And we know what happens. She went back. And look, she went back. And look, and David did the same. He looked, he back, and look, and look again. And guess what happened? He was hooked. And you see the pattern? It only takes one wrong look to wreck everything. Maybe some of you are asking, Pastor, are you saying that we need to go like this all the time? That we can't look? We avoid looking at someone of opposite sex? I remember that first look I gave my wife. I didn't look like this, but it was that look. (laughs) I saw her, and 32 years later, it just happened that we are staying married together. In fact, next month, it will be 32 years. I look. And that look went to a piece of paper I wrote to her. She wrote back the next day, within a week, we got married. Never touch each other. Don't do that. You need to go through, you know. (laughs) Young people, it's not bad to look. right. often, we attract, and most marriages, it's through the, you know, just that, that one look, that moment. It's not bad. It's when it starts something deeply unfaithful. They start to think about this. The third thing is, he asked, when he looked, when he was in the wrong place, he looked at wrong things, he asked a wrong question. What do we read here? David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, Is that Bathsheba, Bethsheba, the daughter of Elaine and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Asking the wrong thing. On the surface, this appeared to be an innocent act. Notice that the lust is well-hidden at this point. No adultery has taken place. No one's seeing his action to accuse him in contempt. Outwardly, he has not done anything. But inside, in his mind, in his heart, according to Jesus, he has already break the Ten commandment, The Seventh Commandment. And this is what Jesus is referring to. At this point, it's not difficult to understand David's thinking. How the mind can rationalize lust. I'm alone, she's alone. God wants me to be happy. My marriage to Mikhail was not God's ad- anointment, so I need to think otherwise. You know, no one will ever know. It's his the fault, her fault is my fault. And last time, it's evil. David has already broken the commandment, and we recognize the pattern. When they're doing the wrong, when in the wrong place, looking at the wrong stuff, asking the wrong question, he started to yearn for something that is not his, longing for the wrong things. It says he sent his messenger, number four, he sent his messenger to get her. It's like coming home every day and you see this. This, uh, you know, the Mercedes parking next door and you keep looking at it and one day you heard that your next door neighbor happened to be 65 years old is, on his, is going for a holiday and something just happened that discontentment in the heart thinking about it's parking in a garage. It would be nice if I can have it. Can you see how it built up? Lust now leads him into deliberate sin. This... Uh, an abuse of power, just like that teacher. David now thinks to himself, I can do anything I want. Not even God can stop it. But when lust takes hold and takes grips in your life, what happened next, which is the fifth thing. He ended up doing the wrong things. It happened quickly that she came to him and he slept with her. One night stand, and it's over. It first appeared that David got away with it, but then he received a message from Pat Seeper, "I am pregnant." Jesus is standing there and teach, and say, "You don't have to be in trap number five. Even in trap number one, number two, number three or four, think about it and be careful. You're already committed." And adultery. When you think of that story, we observe two things. We read later in that story, it says, But the thing David has done displeased the Lord. Two things. David's cover-up failed miserably. And second thing, the punishment far outweighed the pleasure of adultery. So what then can we learn about controlling the decisions we make to free ourselves from the griping of sin and lust and adultery? I want to suggest four decisions to control. Firstly, we must purposely avoid producing situation. This is an extremely personal matter. Please allow me. It's so important that we get that so personal. It's really important. Each one must know his own limits. And each of us is different. You know, what produces lust in my life may bore you, but what you go through may put me to sleep. That's why it's hard to draw absolute limits, but there's a line you must not cross. That means maybe I need to be very careful what movies and TV, TV programs I need to watch, what radio station I listen to, what books I read, what programs do I have to to, to go to in my computer, what storage I go to, and the conversation I have. Where I am, and what I'm doing, and to whom might be something that we need to think about. Young people, is it the right party to engage with? Is it the right conversation? Is it the right group of people that we're hanging around that will lead me that way? The second thing is, must purposefully avoid provoking lust in other people. I have been so hard on David this morning. Not so, Madam Pat Seeper. We don't know the full story. But I'm also wondering what she wore to the party before this all happened. I'm just wondering at the kind of look that she gave. We do that sometimes to David. Perhaps it's so important for us to think about. Let's be practical here. I'm not saying that this is what you should do, that the rules ought to be that way. Maybe sometimes we had to be very careful with the way we dressed up. I hope this is not too bad. Blame <laughs> my wife. Maybe we need to be very careful with the way we smile, the way we start a conversation, the way we tone our voice. Now, some people just seem to have impure minds. They will abuse the way we do things. But maybe it's so important. Don't lead other people on. Don't be east, Don't be flirted. And if nothing happens, you have defrauded that person. The third thing is choose purity over impurity. To me, the decision to choose purity must be made in advance. Based on a daily walk with God. Grounded in a life of healthy activity and daily prayer. It must come clean with my Christians, brothers, and sisters. 20 years now, I have been on a journey with several people, lots of people who come and share with me their struggles. And even now, I still am talking with people and journeying with them who are struggling. Perhaps call someone that you trust. Come and see one of us as pastors. Do not journey alone. We are created for one another. And let me now draw this to conclusion as, as we come to the end. Because this is really important. By asking the question, what does this all mean in a nutshell? Where do we go from here as a church and as a family, as an individual? Well, I want to suggest five things, and the first thing is parents who are having children or teenagers, parents with teenagers, when was the last time you talk about this issue and topic of adultery with your teenager kids? Well, my guess is maybe some of you haven't, and I can understand why. Maybe they're still too young to talk about those things. Maybe they are years, 10, 12, 15 years away from having a partner and, you know, thinking about marriage. What about if you use the five Davidic steps traps to create a conversation with a young people, even the start of 9 or 10, because something, if we don't be careful about it, they will get get it happening somewhere else. Why not use that five things to be able to sit down with them to help them prevent from being in the wrong place, from looking at the wrong things, asking wrong questions, and doing the wrong things? Second thing is choosing to obey God and not the things that the world teaches. If you're a young adult, young people... Choose to walk with God because God never intended for you to fight the battle alone. Turning away from some trips and some relationship that leads you down the wrong path. Perhaps cultivating your love life over the years. If you're a married person, why don't think about paying the price of faithfulness over the long haul? The four things that I want to encourage you, is a takeaway, to pray daily. Why don't you wake up in the morning and pray that part of the Lord's Prayer, Because I want to show you. Lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil. Do you realize what's going on in this short portion of the verse? There's two coins of spiritual power in that two verse that you can pray every morning. Lead me not to temptation. That's a preventative measure. Can you imagine? Wake up in the morning before you start your day. Lord, help me not to go to the wrong place and watch the wrong things and doing the wrong things and ask the wrong question. Pray that every morning you set that up for before you, your day starts. It's a preventative measure. And when you're tempted and you fail in temptation, then you seek God's intervention. Deliver me from evil. And if that is you this morning, we need to make a serious decision. Chris, the final point. Decide now. Decide today. You know, maybe you just lost control and you couldn't stay away from the things that you have done Last month, last week, perhaps even last night. You're being in the wrong place, you're looking at the wrong things yesterday, asking the wrong questions. Well if that is you, here is the good news. Only the guilty ever find, can ever find forgiveness. Let me say it again. Only the one who admits his hands are dirty ever goes to the sink to wash to crimson away. And if you feel that uncleanliness in whatever form, I want you to know that the story of David didn't end on what he did. After his cover-up was exposed, David, at least come to his senses, to his senses, and he's wondering, could God forgive an adulterer? Can he? Can he t- remove the stain in my life? Can the memory, memories be healed? Is there anything that can wash away the scarlet sin that is within my heart? The tormented soul find relief. If you read Psalm 51, there's a lovely testimony, and you know it quite well. This is a confession prayer for forgiveness. He said, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And in verse 10, create in me a clean Pure heart, O Lord. And renew a sight, a right sight within me. Early on, we look at the, the bad fruit that grew up in a bad root. Perhaps... You wanted to live on the other side, a life that bears so much good fruit because the foundation has been cleansed, has been rebuilt, to give a good source that springs up and do that. But how will you do that? Jesus here is inviting us, that's the only place. He has done it all. He said, come to me and I will give you that forgiveness and the promise for a new life. There's nothing that you can do that I cannot forgive. As much as you feel that chain is so hard and tight, this amazing grace can take that away. music team come up I just want you to sit quietly I'm not going to call you to come up here I just want you to sit where you are and if you are at home and you're still watching I want you to humble yourself like David did before God come before him just close your eyes Lord I want to be like David I want your word to be planted in my heart so that I'm able to sin no more. This chain's too heavy, Lord, too hard. The burden's so big. And I've been walking alone. I want that amazing grace to undo and just give me that free Life. So I can start to live in control that set me free from thinking impurity and in fatality. Instead, living a new life that is free because of your mighty power on the cross. So Lord, thank you. Keep working in our lives. Jesus, we pray.